Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, just a shell read there. Saw a single high. Tried to work Justin. Didn't feel good about putting up to Justin. And then when I went to progress, I just felt like I was about to get sacked. And I felt like I got to put the ball in play. And if I take, you know, I can't go down with a sack. So I just thought I'd kick it out to uh, TJ. And I had thrown short of the sticks on a few occasions in the game and even going back a few weeks and just felt like, you know, just throwing short of the sticks isn't the end of the world. It's just, um, you know, it's obviously tight coverage, so didn't have the chance to uh, to pull away. But I just... There he is, Kirk, explaining the fourth and eight play. I saw Kurt Warner did like a seven-minute breakdown of it. There's been, there's been criticism of the play design. There's been mm-hmm. criticism, certainly from us, about, over on Purple Daily anyways, about Kirk's decision to just sort of, shrug his shoulders and throw it to the to the check down that had no chance of converting but boy that's boy if you could run if you had one mulligan on the season right i'd love to see a redo of that play either with a different design or taking a shot to jet the whole like justin jefferson is covered thing i don't know man that buffalo catch he's not really ever covered in a fourth and season situation yeah, and in that case, too, if he's bracketed, which he was, Thielen and Osborne have man coverage. And and should you anticipate, they've been bracketing him all day, should you anticipate, oh, they're probably going to roll that way again, meaning maybe I should get get to the left side of the field quicker in my progressions? I don't know. Do you know what I think the, the simplest thing is here? Like the just most fundamental, basic uh, play design thing here. Or the question, I guess, how do you not get Hawkinson to the sticks? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, that's right. Like, but, but like, like Hawk had a great day, by the way, great trade, fantastic trade. Hawkinson had an unbelievable day. I mean, he was effective. The Giants proved in two games, they couldn't stop him. And so I guess the question is this, just from a design concept of like, how, how do I, how do I help Kirk help himself? If Hawkinson's at the sticks and catches that and just falls, because he's he is not the old school big plodding tight end. He's actually he plods a little bit, but you know what? Pretty athletic. He can run. I guess to your point, doesn't someone, whether it's Kevin O'Connell as he radios the play in, or Kirk Cousins as break, he's. Break. Right, or, right, right, or, or Kirk Cousins as he's <laughs> taking in the play call, or TJ Hawkinson as he's taking in the play call. Yeah, doesn't someone need to say, "Here's the play, 
with a tweak. We're going to run this play, but instead of TJ running a three-yard out, it's going to be an eight-yard out or or a stick or something, right? How does that? So to your point, like, yeah. is there any room for leadership there to step in? Someone, KOC, Kirk, right. or the tight end saying, okay, yep, yep, cool, ready, break. However, I'm going to run my rod a little deeper just to make sure that if it is an option, it it's a first down option, right? Right, and the concept has to come from the coach, right? Like the concept just has to simply be like you're going to get to the stick. So, yeah, the whole thing. Anyways. Whole game. All right, let's get to some statements here. It's funny, right before we cracked the mics, I lied to you guys and said, yep. I'm, I kind of exhausted good, all of my takes dude, on this. Huge, Dude, it's it's the Monday after a season-ending <laughs> loss on a 13-win season with an inexplicable ending play call for the Vikings. Yeah, I don't fault you one bit. Know, I'm still trying to process what happened. Well, why don't you start the processing with Seven your, stages. your first statement here. Seven stages of football grief taking place right here in the SLP. Um, all right, my first statement is this. This it goes to a little bit what we were t- talking about, but really expands way beyond that. And it's very, very simple. The Vikings beat the Vikings. The New York Giants did not beat the Vikings. Credit to the Giants. They won the game, and credit to them. They did have a better game plan. But you know what? The Vikings had every opportunity to combat that, well, defensively during the week because they knew the Giants didn't surprise you one iota. They didn't unveil a bag of tricks. Daniel Jones ran. Barkley was good. The passing game was exactly what it was, essentially, Christmas Eve three weeks ago here. Offensively. The Vikings' bread and butter, which we knew would run out at some point, but it was my hope it would not come to pass yesterday or perhaps in the playoffs. But the Vikings' bread and butter was fourth-quarter comebacks. Like that last drive, those last two drives were, if you had told me a couple of years ago, that's going to be it, I'd be like, Vikings are dead. This year, I'm like, bring it on. I kept saying they're going to win. So... To be very, very clear here, and I think this is my disappointment, the Vikings beat the Vikings. This was a self-inflicted wounds defeat. This was a lack of preparation, lack of good decisions. This was on you. And I'm not trying to say that the Giants suck, but the Giants aren't that great. And defensively, the Giants aren't good either. You had every opportunity to basically, basically you received all the ingredients especially at the end, that you had cooked with all year long. And you were uh, a Michelin restaurant. You were winning James Beard's awards left and right. And with those same ingredients, you choked. You beat yourself. What is the James Beard Award? What? I don't know what that is. James Beard Award is a very prestigious award. You've never heard of the James Beard Award for top chefs? Okay. Gotcha. Oh man, the, all these restaurants, restaurants you go to, dude! All these amazing uh, restaurants. You're big, like, you're big foodie, man. Yeah, I love food. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I guess that's on the. Uh, now that I got time in my hands, I'll go look at these James Beard Award winners, and I'll give you a pie chart of, of all my favorite ones. Pecking order of my favorite uh, James Beard Awards. I like it. Uh, my first statement after the right. playoff loss. I'll go with. Um, I'll go with this one. Gut check time for Kevin O'Connell. Gut check time. So, on paper, see a rookie head coach. See him get to top 10 offense. You see him win 13 games. Think, man, pretty successful season. But, man, there are some things to clean up there. There's a lot of self-realization in the mirror that he can look at and say, I accomplished a lot of good things, a lot of things that are very difficult to do for a first-year coach or any head coach in the league. But, man, there's a lot of things that I have to be better at. 
I'd be better at picking the right personnel and right coaches to lead this defense and help lead this offense. Uh, his own play calling is obviously has been a little bit suspect at times this season. I think this is actually, despite I am I am still all in on Kevin O'Connell. This has not changed my opinion on him. But this is a gut check time. I mean, just because he had a really good first year does not mean that's always guaranteed. And I know Kevin O'Connell knows that too. So I think this is kind of a gut check time for Kevin O'Connell as he goes into his first off season as a Vikings head coach. Yeah, the biggest thing now is you're probably not going to go 11 and 0, or if you want to count the playoffs, 11 and 1 in one score game. So how do you plan for that regression? How do you plan from a staff standpoint, roster construction? Because it's it's not. It's not going to be a linear progression from 13 wins. Now we're just going to add a couple pieces and go in 15 games. Like there's going to be a ton of turnover on right. defense. Could, can you somehow continue on with this competitive rebuild? Because you need to get younger across the board defensively. Right. You know you're going to need you're you're probably going to need another number two wide receiver, which I will address here in a second. Is it even possible, like from a KOC Quasi perspective, to to do a, com- a competitive rebuild is an oxymoron? Correct. You're Sounds either good, right? If you're okay. if you're if you're going to rebuild, commit to yeah. it like the Bears did. Right. If you're going to be competitive, commit to it like the Rams did. Right. Go trade a bunch of picks and stock up on players to fortify the now, and they kind of. They kind of picked the middle of the road, and record-wise it worked out well because they played a home playoff game as a 13-win team, but how do they now go forward knowing that there's going to be some regression and turnover? That's that's going to be tough. And what did, did you learn, too? Like, I, I mean, I I think for coming in after Zimmer, O'Connell did some great things. Like, he gained the players' trust. He was definitely um, a guy that they could talk to. You know, J.J. found his office. I didn't even know where Mike's office was. But all, But all that being said, you know, I feel like there were some things that he probably is going to need to pull back on. Um, I mean, there's going to be some guys he's going to have to just flat out cut now, and they're going to be, you know, yeah. big names here. So, like, what did he learn from there? And then my second thing is with the coaching staff, what did he learn about trust? Because clearly trusting easy Ed to do the job was a massive mistake. Um, so, like, how did you delegate your time, and how might you tweak that? Because as O'Connell said in the postgame presser on Sunday, I'm responsible for all phases here. Yeah. Like, I'm an offensive guy, but I can't just be like, well, I delegated that Wilson. I mean, that's going to catch up with you at some point. So, yeah, there's a lot of things um, that he's going to have to at least examine. And probably the fair word is tweak. I wouldn't say he's going to change as a person, but it gets more difficult. You know, one of the things that's sort of frustrating is as fun as this season was, and it, it was one of the most I've been consciously remembering and watching Vikings football since like 1990. This is one of this is on the Mount Rushmore of fun, memorable seasons for me. You know, 98's on that Mount Rushmore, 09's on that Mount Rushmore. You know, maybe 2017. It was a super fun season, but like like most Vikings pop up seasons, nothing feels sustainable. You know, the, the, I, I'm trying to remember. When's the last Maya time you felt like? The same thing. I know she's just going. That's okay. Crazy I right got now. two dogs here, man. They're, they they got mad before. She's she's still unhappy about that uh, fourth down play design. Quite why, frankly, why wouldn't she be? You know, what? Why would you? Right of the six. Hey, right of the six. Right of the six. Gummy. She's like cousins. Cousins. But when's the last time the Vikings had a good playoff season or whatever it may be, and you thought, boy, this is the start of a five year window? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you know, the 2017, 100%. they didn't even know who their quarterback was going to be after that season was over, right? right. 2009, you kind of knew, ooh, yeah, Brett Favre is going to be 40 years old. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be after that season. So, oh, man. 2018, sadly, was, like, supposed to be the start, right? Like, Kirk Cousins is here now. This defense is still very good. So, yeah. All right, next statement here. Adam Thielen might have played his last down as a Minnesota Viking. I take you to Instagram, where Adam Thielen's wife posted this on her Instagram stories yesterday. It's a photo of her and Adam standing inside U.S. Bank Stadium. And in the caption, it says, Just like that, the season and our time here in Minnesota might be at an end. Super proud of your attitude this season and always fighting. What do you make of that? Interesting. So, okay, okay, okay. Let's read between the lines of this, all right? Let's break this down. Let's parse this apart. I had not seen the entire statement from her. That's really intriguing. So, first of all, it means that you being rightfully so, so I'm not defending him at all, but rightfully so, relegated to really more of the three role was difficult behind the scenes, right? Yep. Super proud of right. you. Right. Your, so your attitude. This is, a, this is, this is not, this is a very, very strategic message by Mrs. Thielen here. It is. Every I, single word of this is strategic, uh-huh. which I sort of, re, which, which I actually like. So basically what would happen was, you know, he'd be in the locker room for the most part, gregarious, uplifting get home walk in the door shut the door honey how was your day not very effing good not real happy with what's going on here um my my only question so off of that here's my question because it's open for interpretation definitely is she saying that this might be the end because she knows the end is near for him which would be a very weird thing for a wife in this position to say, or is she basically saying, if this is how you're going to deploy my husband, he wants out. And so it might be the end of our time here, but I still think he can mm. be super productive, which I would quarrel with, but that's his wife. So she's not going to think yeah, like, Judd, yeah. like Judd would think. I think I love that. This is a, it's a, it's a two sentence blurb on Instagram stories that I says a novel's worth of things. And I think you're onto something here. So, just like that, the season and our time here in Minnesota might be at an end. Super proud of your attitude this season and always fighting. I think you nailed it. These are, there's, I, I bet there's been a lot of closed door conversations, sort of frustration, right? And I don't know, because he's not the same player he was. He's also not being utilized in the way that maybe he's accustomed to, in part because he's not the same player that he was. Does he feel slighted because of the lack of usage and the numbers being down, Kirk not finding him, whatever it may be? Does he feel, is it self-awareness? You know, I'm just not the same guy. Right. When, when you say our time here in Minnesota might come to an end, well, they live in Minnesota. Their families are from Minnesota. I mean, he's from he literally spent his whole life in Minnesota. They're not just going to, like, I don't think, up and move away from family. So he he would be, to me, I interpret this as I'm still going to play in the NFL, but clearly there's a good chance it might not be in Minnesota based on everything that happened this season. Right. 
That's my interpretation. And are they sort of saying if he's going to now be the third option, he does not want to stay here? Dude, I, it's, it's juicy. Like, that's now, super intriguing. I don't know, but it's really, really interesting. No matter what here, let me pull up. Uh, I think if they were to do something before June 1st, they would just have to eat almost all of his it's, his cap for 2020. Now, if after if it's like a post-June 1st designation, a trade or a cut, they still have to eat some money because of the, the extension they signed him to, but it gets a little bit uh, easier to swallow. Now he could he could agree to restructure again, correct? And then if, if he restructures again, bring the money down a little bit, create a situation. I mean, I but but perhaps he's decided I don't. God. You know what? If that's how I'm going to be used, I don't want to play here. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, and and all of this that we just did with Thielen and what what will happen, what won't happen, we could literally and we will on Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd in the coming days. You could play this game with about six or seven different veteran players, right? What would it cost to keep, get rid of? How do you free up cap space? How problematic is their age? Where are they at performance-wise, et cetera? So, yeah. uh, all right, Judd, back to you, statements. My next statement, let's recognize greatness. Before it's done, and I know that the end is disappointing, and I know that there have been a ton of things to very interestingly parse apart from the game on Sunday, but let's recognize the greatness of the season of Justin Jefferson. Mm. Uh, this is one of, you know what, we are in a, could I say this, that we are in a a, a pocket of uh, the glory days in sports in this town, not with championships, but with certain players. Justin Jefferson, a Viking. The Ant, Ant's pretty, you know what, Ant works his ass off, pretty damn talented, and I think he is still ascending. Kirill Kaprizov. With the Wild, absolutely fantastic. But the year that Justin Jefferson put together, um, the catches that he he made, and to O'Connell's credit across the board, so not on Sunday necessarily, but the way that O'Connell and Kirk found ways to get the ball to him. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson's greatness in 2022 should at least be recognized, not forgotten. And, I mean, if the MVP was a normal, not quarterback award, he is in the discussion big time. This is one of the great seasons that we have ever seen from a wide receiver period, and that is one of the most important positions now in football. So let's not forget the season that Justin Jefferson had. Yeah, and, you know, something to to account for, too. I mean, as, as he goes, the Vikings kind of go, right? Two of the last three games, he had kind of three – fairly dud games relative to you know what you're used to with him to end the season you give green bay after getting torched by him in week one a second chance at him and they throw the kitchen sink right jair alexander and bracket and safety rolling we learned our lesson the first time not going to happen the second time and it worked and then you fast forward to the wild card round the giants 12 catches the first time those two teams met. They just got torched by him and TJ Hawkinson, and they said, all right, we can live with some of the TJ Hawkinson stuff because we got to pick our poison, and it ain't going to be Justin Jefferson. And he still caught a bunch of passes, but he didn't have the game that he had. So you give these teams a second crack, and they were like, we're literally going to put three dudes on him for a majority of the the entire game. And that's kind of how you shut the Vikings down. But, but. This is why it is so imperative that you get a running mate for JJ. Mm-hmm. Because think, think about this. 
Think about if Osborne were a true two or or this was Thiel, uh, Thielen circa 2018. Yeah. Think about that player. That oh, guy yesterday would have went off. You you win that game by 14 points with a number two who is a legit threat. Yep, yep. Well, good. Old Macadac has a list of deep threat college draft picks that the Vikings could potentially Hey-o. look at coming up sometime soon on Purple Daily. Uh, okay, back to Dex. Statements Monday here on Maggie. Uh, I'm actually going to take Judd's statement and morph it into a different way. The Vikings are wasting Justin Jefferson. They are wasting the contract and the tenure of Justin Jefferson. So next year, he'll still be under a very relatively cap-friendly deal. I think he'll make like 4 or $5 million, And he'll also have the fifth-year option picked up this spring inevitably, too. Last year, fifth-year option wide receivers who made at least two Pro Bowlers. So there's a lot that goes into the stew of the fifth-year option with the cap hit. That was $16 million for the fifth-year option for wide receivers who got their fifth-year option picked up from the 2019 class. So you're probably going to look at 2024 as a season that's going to be in that similar range. Then you're going to have to pay him. Then he's going to have a big contract next to him. You basically wasted three really prime years of Justin Jefferson with zero playoff wins. I love Justin Jefferson. I'm on board to pay Justin Jefferson pretty much almost whatever he wants to a degree. But you wasted also a historically great wide receiver and a great season by him. And it's really unfortunate because it's going to be really difficult to build out the rest of this roster too, not just including Justin Jefferson. Yeah, also if if they have to take a step back in some way, Next year, like at, at some point, to make his contract work, because they, they sh- I think they should sign him to an extension, and it should be for thirty, probably thirty million dollars a year, right? Isn't that what Tyree Kill's getting? He's going to get paid more than some quarterbacks. You're going to have to then go find the cheap rookie scale contract quarterback um, to go along with it. Does he balk at that at some point? Does he say, "Well, I mean"? You know, I've kind of gotten used to Kirk Cousins, and he's a professional quarterback that can get me the ball 100-plus times a year. Does it make him hesitate? I don't know. But I think I think it works out because right now you, you can sign him or at least approach him about the, the extension, which my guess is it's going to get signed this summer. And so Jefferson's going to be aware of the fact that Cousins almost certainly is going to be back uh, in 2023. Jefferson's new contract wouldn't kick in, I don't think, until 2025. And so, like, at that point in time, I think even Jefferson is going to know that he's going to have to have a new quarterback by that time. So I, I actually think the timing of this from a, a, from an explaining how you're doing it is going to work. But this is where the pressure to what we talked about on Ventline, you guys, goes back to O'Connell. This is where you have to find a quarterback that you can develop that's with a rookie contract like that's that is i really think the most important thing of kevin o'connell's tenure if it's five years if it's 10 years if it's 15 years the most important thing is going to be did he find that quarterback to replace kirk yeah be interesting i'll give you one on kirk here real quick so five years into the kirk cousins signing an experiment ultimately it's been a huge fail he was signed five years ago to be the final piece to a Super Bowl championship. Let's not lose sight of what they did and how everyone felt. Remember, because the Vikings were, they went to the NFC Championship game. They got beat. The offense came out, struck first early, but then Case Keenum got a little squirrely through a bad, I think it was a pick six, and 
And then he became a free agent. And, and the organization, I think rightfully so, said, thank you, Case. Great magic carpet ride, but we need to find a professional to come in here, a guy with a track record, to take us to the next level, sustain success, Super Bowl contendership for multiple years. Well, in five years, they have one playoff win. One playoff win. Yep. And only two playoff appearances in those five years. And I'm not sitting here just like blaming Kirk exclusively, but I think if you zoom out and you just look at roster construction, it's really hard in the NFL when you're paying a good but not great, a good but not elite quarterback that much money and that big a percentage of your cat. Because you know, today, rightfully so, one of the biggest complaints is why is the defense so terrible? Even going back to Mike Zimmer's last couple of years. Well, it's partially terrible because they've whiffed on a ton of defensive players in the draft. They haven't drafted a difference-making defensive player really since about 2015. So the draft across multiple front offices has been a failure in finding young talent. But they also have fewer resources to go out in free agency and sign a big-time edge rusher. I mean, how many times have we sat here in March of 2019, 2021, Vikings are looking at these defensive players, these edge rushers, cornerbacks, and they can't afford them because they never have any cap space because they've tied it up not only in Kirk Cousins, but they've also tied it up in Dalvin Cook. They've tied it up in Harrison Smith, yep. linebacker, safety, Adam Thielen. So, um, you know, th- I think if you would have asked people five years ago, all right, Kirk Cousins is coming to town. You're going to get at least a five-year window with him in his prime and they're only going to have one playoff victory over that stretch coming off of what you experienced in 2017, what would your reaction have been? Probably would have said, what? Oh, God, it'd be a yes. It'd be, it would basically, in, in fact, if you had told me that, I would say, you're crazy because Kirk is not here by that point. So, so like, if you told me in 18 and five years, it's going to be one playoff win, uh, two playoff appearances, I would say there is no way Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback of this team. Because he was no. brought here for basically a three. It was a three-year contract. It was a three-hour tour. It was Gilligan's Island. You were just supposed to be at three years real quick. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. By the way, uh, this is from Purple Daily, but I'm getting this response right now. So, I, I on Purple Daily bonus episode, we went over 10, turned out to be 11, potential defensive coordinator replacements Fred Donatel and uh one of them is Giro Evero he's a hot up and coming he's been a coordinator with the Broncos and whatnot and uh Alex Boone our guy played in San Francisco when he was in San Francisco so let's hit Booney up and see you know what does he think of Evero and Boone just texted a question mark and laughing emojis. Like, I don't think he remembers. we Because Boone was on the offensive side of the ball. And Avera was on the defensive side of the ball. Like, who's that? So, we'll see if, if so he, much if for he does our a insider. Google search. And so much for our player market. insider. Like, who was that guy? Who? I don't Booney know. I'll, ex- I'll explain it to him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. All right. Let's make one more trip around the room here presented by our friends at Finch Home Solutions, Judd, before you get to your next statement. Yes. And th- this gives me an opportunity to talk about two things that are uh, important. Fun. We need fun and safety. Finch Home Solutions combines both the fun. Well, let's just say that you're going to get Dex's favorite, a hot tub installed, and you need the wiring done, right? 
Finch Home Solutions can come to your home and take care of that. But safety, also important. It's that time of year. Smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors. You need to have those working to keep your family safe. Guess what? Finch Home Solutions can take care of that as well because it only takes one call to Finch to get any electrical issues, any in your home solved. And this is the time of year, again, where you want to make sure that everything is working properly. Finch can make sure that things are. And they have same-day and emergency services available to help at any hour. Finch is also offering a free home safety inspection to all of our, our listeners. In fact, they're going to be at my house tomorrow checking on about three different things that, guess what, Sports Dad can't do. Be sure to tell them that you heard about Finch on Score North because there are special deals for you. Visit FinchHomeSolutions.com. Or call them, 612-357-2604, finchhomesolutions.com for both fun and making sure that your home and your family is safe. All right. All right, one more lap of, of statements here, Judd. All right, my last statement is this. More wheeling and dealing. <laughs> Two of the teams that were in the playoffs were partially there because of in-season trades which used to never happen. And then the league moved the deadline back, and it facilitated some moves. And now there's talk about, I believe that they're going to discuss this at their meetings in March, about moving it back more. And I say, do it. TJ Hawkinson. The Vikings do not win 13 games without him. Mm-hmm. He was. It was a great trade. I still don't get why Detroit did it, but that's not the point. The point is, it basically was a baseball-like trade that took a team that was good and improved it. But TJ Hawkinson is not the best trade deadline deal because that was San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey has been an absolute stud playing on a bad Carolina team that was going nowhere, was no fun to watch. McCaffrey in San Fran has been phenomenal, and that team is great. And guess what? It's partially because of a trade. This baseball idea of creating more trades at the deadline, I absolutely love. Find more ways. Um, it it benefits bad teams and it allows good players to get on good teams to make it more fun to watch bravo national football yeah Yeah. dude that's a that was that was a good trade it's a good trade he's young he's emerging into his prime and he's going to be a huge target for the next handful of years and maya Mackey fully agrees loves the trade absolutely listen to her all right dex what's your next david all right my uh last statement I will I will go with this one. Uh, will it be this good again next season? So, obviously, when you go 13-4, and four, that's pretty awesome, right? And it was incredibly, you know, heart-wrenching at some points because you didn't know if they were going to win or they were going to lose, but they were these fourth-quarter comeback kids, and it was great, and you wrapped up the division super early in the year. You got able to host a playoff game for the first time um, in five years. It was all great. What's it going to be like next year? And even if there's a record regression... Can you still win the division? Can you still be set up to host another playoff game or two? I'm just I'm looking trying to look ahead at next year and also still trying to appreciate what happened this season. But now I'm I'm way ahead of myself and I'm already looking at 2023 and thinking how can it be this good again next season? And if there's things that regress from a record standpoint, but it still can look this good and feel this good, then I'm all in. But I, I do think trying to figure out where this team is at next season is going to be a fascinating discussion. It really is, man. God, there's so many. And then the wild card here is it kind of felt last year like ownership set some parameters. Hey, we're not going to blow this thing up. We're going to keep all these veterans. We want to see how you guys do 
just running this thing back largely with a couple little tweaks here and there. And they got their answer. A bunch a, a, a bunch more wins in the regular season, which was great, and just some more consistency in the fourth quarter. And I think you saw some heart that the previous teams maybe didn't exhibit, but you saw the same one-and-done ending that you're used to as an organization or quick exit. They've had, you know, win the first round, lose in the second round as well. How do you react to that? Do you try, okay, let's let's add a couple more pieces and run it back, or do you do you let the football people that you hired make some tough decisions? How often have the Wilfs allowed that? It doesn't feel like much. Like, I, they, they love the sugar high of quick success, but they don't have the patience, it feels like, to yeah. to um, allow it to go the course, if that makes sense. Is there any way, this is probably a, a full discussion. episode at some point, is there any way to be a Super Bowl contender in the next five to six years without fully rebuilding? That's the question. Your drafts would have to be outstanding, but you might not be in position to draft outstanding players. Yeah. I'm going to end on a on a positive for Kirk. You know, I just saw the, the PFF grades from this game yesterday came across. My last statement is Kirk Cousins was excellent against the Giants blitz yesterday. Yeah. He knew he knew it was coming. They actually scaled back, so they, they blitz on the season like 40 to 45% of passes. So mm-hmm. their counter strategy, because Kirk carved up their blitz last time too, so their strategy was, we're only going to blitz half that amount. They blitzed about 23%, which actually on the plays where he wasn't blitzed, he was he only averaged 4.9 yards per attempt. So he kind of struggled. It was a lot of, when they dropped more guys back into coverage, he went underneath a lot more often. Yep. But when he was blitzed, he was 8 for 9 for 126 yards, 14 yards per attempt yep. in that game. But the Did Giants said... Let's throw him off. We're not. He's going to think we're blitzing more, so he's going to see some ghosts. Mm-hmm. And on the plays where we aren't blitzing, maybe he'll get rid of the ball quicker into more coverage. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah. The sports but, dad grades will not be kind to the uh, coach and D.C. The Giants did. When do the, what website wise. can we find the sports dad grades on? <laughs> is that sportsdadgrades.com or what? Sportsdadgrades.com just starting up, just brand new. Is it a subscription it or is it free? Um, it's a subscription. It's a subscription oh. where I journal and give grades out. Yesterday okay. when uh, Judd sent me the video of Patrick Royce and our buddy Kevin Seifert, you know, talking in the press box, Judd just sends it to me and goes, you can put this on the site. And I'm like, the site. I think he means Twitter. I think he Twitter, means yep. socials, but like yep. the site. I was. What like, did you mean by put it on the site? Put it on Twitter. the site. Twitter. Twitter. I, I was. I, yeah. I can dec- there's a lot of decoding things. Hey, with, yeah. Put this I'm on the site. Put it on the site. I, I'm not that hard to, to decode, to it's be true. honest. Like, it's <laughs> that not that true. hard to figure out, like Don said. I mean, I'm a pretty simple dude, but that, and that thing killed. People were very excited to see Patrick at the game. Yeah. Good for him. He's also the kryptonite. Every time he shows up for a playoff game, just something yeah. terrible goes 14,000 views on Twitter of Pat Royce <laughs> and Kevin Seifert. I love how Seifert had no idea what he was being roped into. He just smiled for the first five seconds because well, he thought you were taking fault. a picture. He thought Did I you was not saying... communicate what was happening? Well, I thought he knew because I was talking to Pat. It's and going on the Pat, site. And then he's like, Kevin, get that. Kevin, get down ah. here. So I thought that Kevin could tell. But I know I did not communicate it. Oh, that's hilarious.
I love Kevin. So no, I I'll fall on all grenades. Okay. By the way, we do have for you to for you to cope here. We do have brand new before I die swag on uh, on the site. Scornorth.com slash shop. Scornorth.com slash shop. And uh, I think you'll I think you'll like this one. It'll help you cope. It essentially takes us through sixty years of Vikings football. We just want one before we die. But it's hopeful, it. right? Because it, it takes is hopeful. you through, but it's hopeful about next season. Correct. Exactly. So check that out. And we got two episodes of Purple Daily today on this Monday, plus event line from yesterday, a therapy session. And plenty more looking ahead out on the horizon. What can the Vikings do to shake things up and make things better going forward? Those are the conversations we will be having across Score North here, Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd. Um, Thanks for hanging out with us all season long. And now we enter off-season reckless speculation, baby. The wheelhouse, I think, of this show. See you guys tomorrow.